everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. This Friday, right? Is that right? Okay, good. All right, all right. I was like, Thursday or Friday? Okay, so Christmas Eve is this Friday at noon. So come, come, on, come on in. We're, we're baptizing some. If you've never been baptized, I, I mean, I, other than Easter, it is pretty great. But Christmas time is, is pretty awesome, too, to get baptized. So if you've never been baptized. So I just want to remind you of that. And then next Sunday, we're not going to be here, or I won't be here. If you, you can show up, but for next next Sunday, because to be honest, you, you're not going to be here. You're, you're, it's the day after Christmas. You're you're going to be sleeping in. So, uh, so online only. So whenever you get up, have your coffee. Um, you know, around noon, one o'clock that day, because uh, you're so tired. You know, you can t- tune in um, on our Facebook page and, and watch a, watch a service. So, uh, so that's next next Sunday. Um, so, uh, t- I'm gonna t- I'm gonna give you a statement right now. Uh, that's gonna blow your mind. Okay, are you ready? Any note takers? I, I know we have some note takers. I talked to a note taker. Uh, she's got her, her notebook ready to go uh, for this. And so, uh, Neva, don't put it up there yet, because I really want to just build this. I mean, this is gonna, this statement right here is worth showing up to church today. Are you ready? Today is Sunday. Today is Sunday. Did you, did you write that down? You're, it's all up here, right? Like it's a steel trap up here. You got it. All right. Today is Sunday. Today is Sunday. What? So the Sunday, Sunday. The reason why it's called Sunday. Okay. The reason why it's called Sunday. Uh, in Latin, disolus is the is the phrase disolus, which means the sun's day. The sun's day. Right? Wow. This is just. You're like, wow. This is good. This is really good. So, um, as, as you know, so uh, as, as a matter of fact, um, w- the Babylonians, we can thank the Babylonians for, um, you know, putting together the calendar that, that gives us a seven-day week or determines what a, a seven-day week is. And then um, the Romans, the Romans took that as well. And the Romans named the days of the week, the seven days of the week, after their gods. And so they named them each day after their gods. And then the Germanics and the Nordics came around, and they adopted the seven-day week, and they named the days after what we now know as, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? They named them after their gods, the Norse gods, the 
polytheistic gods. They named them after that. And so uh, they, one of their gods was the sun. And so that's why we call it Sunday is because uh, the, you know, the, the Germanics and the Nord- Nordics came and they named each day of the week after their, their gods. And so Sunday is where we get that. Now, for just so, something cool maybe for you is, um, and I think I have this as a slide, Thursday, is there any, any Marvel fans, any Avenger fans in the, in the room? Okay, okay, okay. Thursday, Thursday, you haven't seen, seen Avengers at all? Oh, okay. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to spoil anything, but you're, you're way over, you're really late. You need to, you need to. You need to catch up. You, you need to catch. Okay, so I won't spoiling, but uh, in the movie, hopefully this doesn't spoil it for you, Jake. In the movie, there's a character, there's an Avenger, okay, and his name is Thor. Anybody ever heard of Thor before? Okay, okay. Thor wields the hammer, all right, right? He's the, he's the according to the Norse gods, the mythology, the North, Norse mythology, uh, he's the god of thunder, which is if you're a, an Avengers fan, you know that. Did you know, and I know I blew my kids' minds this morning when I told them that, Thursday is named after Thor. It's Thor's day. Did anybody know that? You can write that down. You should write that down. Thor's day is Thursday. So, all right, just a fun fact. Right, you don't seem impressed, so hopefully I'll... I'll Get better. All right, I'll get better. Okay, so when we think about the sun, okay, when we think about the sun, okay, in, in, in comparison to the earth, it's kind of like this. This is sort of, um, you know, sort of to scale, not quite there, but sort of sort of to scale. So if you think about a basketball is the sun, okay, think about the basketball. And then in my hand is an ibuprofen that I'll take later, Okay. <laughs> from using the basketball. And so in my hand, so this is sort of a comparison of the size, okay? So this is the sun and this is this little ibuprofen, you know, maybe uh, maybe a better description is a pea, maybe if you think about a pea. So that's the sort of the, the size, right? Right? And so uh, what, what we've, you know, now know, because, you know, we're, we have knowledge and intelligence and over the time and we've learned and things, you know, this, the, the earth, right? The, the third rock from the sun rotates, around the sun, right? So the sun is a big thing. I don't know if you know this or not about the sun. It's pretty massive, okay? So the first number that I want to show you is 93 billion megatons, okay? What is that? There's every second, every second. So the basketball is the sun, right? Every second, there's 93 billion megatons of nuclear reaction happening every single second. One nuclear bomb on planet Earth, trouble, right? Every second, one on planet Earth, trouble. Every second in the sun, 93 billion megatons of nuclear reaction happening on the sun. It's pretty good, pretty big, huh? Pretty powerful, don't you think? Pretty powerful. Okay, so we also may probably know that there's 91 million miles, all right, away, right? We know that the sun is is 93 or 93 million miles away from here, our little itty bitty planet Earth, right? 93 million miles away. Okay, it for for the light for the light to hit Earth, for light to hit Earth, it takes eight minutes. Eight minutes for light to hit Earth. Okay. 
You can fit, you can fit this, this little size ibuprofen into our sun. You can fit 1.4 million earths inside the sun, okay? 99.8% of our solar system mass, think about this, 99.8% of our solar system mass is made up of the sun. Now, the sun in moderate, this is Sunday, right? Did you not know that? This is Sunday, all right? So we got to talk about the sun. <laughs> the sun in moderation is good for us. It's good for us. The sun in, in moderation, it helps with depression. It, it helps with sleep. It, 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 you know, it helps in, in other areas. As a matter of fact, in moderation, it helps with, you know, like, you know, clearing skin. Like if you, you know, have a teenager with bad acne, just put them outside for a little bit. And it helps with that. It, it has a lot of benefits. Our sun exists with a, with a lot of amazing and incredible benefits of, of what this thing does for us. This, the bad news is about the sun, especially if you live in Michigan, if you live in Michigan, for example, we don't see a lot of the sun. 29% of sunshine rate from November to February in Michigan. We don't like this time of year because why? We don't really see the sun. When the sun's out, we're like, oh, this is great. This makes me feel better. All right, it makes us feel better. We go to places like Florida, the sunshine state. Isn't it the sunshine state, Mark? Okay, the sunshine state. And because of why? Because we want the sun. We need some sun. The sun is good for us. That's what we need. It, it, it helps us. The sun is important. Why? Because it gives life to, to things, right? It gives life to things. It helps it, life, sustains life on earth. It, if the sun, you, you've heard this before, if the, if the earth was any closer, and there's a lot of wiggle room, but so you, just so you know, but if the, if the earth was any closer to the sun, burn, trouble, if this earth was any further away from the sun, we're frozen, right? So the earth is positioned right where it needs to be, and there is certainly a lot of wiggle room there. But on average, for Michigan, though, just kind of put it back into our state, on average, there's only 170 sunny days a year. The U.S. average, though, is, is 205 sunny days a year. And so we're like, oh, man, I'm in Michigan, I don't know, maybe I'm, now I want to move, you know, now I want to get out of here. But that's just kind of how it is for us when it comes to the sun. There's a lot of benefits of it, and we need it, and it, it, it's powerful. It helps us emotionally. It gives life. It gives us light. It's what we need. It gives us energy. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Well, in John and Charles Wesley's song, Hark, the Herald, angels sing, he addresses something within that song that sort of points to an interesting scripture. We're going to look at it in a second. The song, beginning in the third stanza, says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Now, we're not going to spend any time on Prince of Peace because, you know, a couple weeks ago, at the beginning of this sermon, the first sermon of this series, we talked a lot about peace. So if you want to go back and listen about the, the Prince of Peace and how what God provides for us is, is tremendous peace that the world can't pr provide for us. Sorry, my watch is talking to me now. You can go back and listen to that. But this is, I just want to pick it up here. Hail the Son 
of righteousness. Where did John and Charles Wesley get that phrase? Because really it's not even really said, that phrase is never really said at all in Scripture. It's never mentioned at all. But where they got that phrase from is from an Old Testament, a minor prophet by the name of Malachi. And here's what Malachi writes. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, like the sun, and all the arrogance and every evildoer will be chaffed, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of armies, so that it will, be, so that it will leave them neither root nor branches. I mean, this is like, man, this is, what is he talking about? Well, He's talking about, if, if we looked at what we ended with last week, that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. So we put, we celebrate in this time of year, the first, the first time Jesus came or the first time God came, he came, you know, in a subtle, you know, you know tender way in a, as a baby in a, in a manger, right? But the second time, the second time, the second coming, Jesus is going to come as he is. He's going to come as the everlasting Lord. He's going to come as the conquering king. He's going to come with all authority. He's going to come in a way where it, it, the end of time of fullness of grace and will be done, that everybody has now a time that before he comes back again, that we can receive him through faith and belief, and we can put our trust in him, and that time is, is coming, or that time is now, but there will be a time when he comes again that he will establish his authority on heaven and on earth, and it will wipe clean. He will be a God of, that like we looked at last week, he will be God of just and righteousness, everything that that is wrong about this world will be made right by the authority of Jesus. That is coming. That day is coming. It is burning. He's going to come. I know. We clap. We, we, as a Christian, you're like, man, I'm glad I don't get to experience any of that. I'm glad I don't get to be, a, be in that wrath. But as a, somebody that isn't a believer, for somebody that isn't a Christian, that day is coming. That day is coming. And just like the rising of the sun and the setting in the same, a day, a day is coming. Sunrise, the sunset, the rotation of the earth over a 24-hour period, one day, there's a day that's going to be coming that he is going to, like the sun, burn like a furnace and every evildoer and all the arrogance will be set ablaze. And it will be neither root nor branches left. But then Malachi says this, but for you, but for you who fear my name, look what it, look what it says, the sun, not S-O-N, S-U-N, the sun of righteousness will rise. The sun of righteousness will rise. You know what Malachi's doing? Malachi's saying, you know what, you know what he's going to be like? You know what? And what we know is Jesus. You know what Jesus is like? He's like the sun. He's like the sun. He gives light and he brings life. He's 
powerful. He's 93 billion megatons of nuclear reaction. That's who he is. But he's also tender enough to turn your emotional state around. He's also delicate enough to make you happier and to put you in a better mood and to help you sleep better at night. Do you see it? The Son of God is like the sun in comparison, according to Malachi. And those who fear his name, those who revere, that's what it means, to revere him, to see him as tender, loving Savior, but to also see him as the almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who will one day come back and bring justice and bring righteousness to a broken world. Fear him. Don't fear anything else. Revere the son of righteousness because he will rise. You know, just like a day, the sun up, sun down, a day. A lot can happen in a day. Don't you think? A lot can happen in a day. As a matter of fact, we, from the Christmas story, look what it says. Luke 2, Luke 2, 10. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. They had every reason in the world to be afraid, but the angel and, and the angel in all of its glory and majesty and beauty said, do not be afraid for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. He says, no one needs to be afraid anymore. I've got good news and I've got great joy. And the shepherds who don't normally get afraid were afraid. At an angel. He says, I got good news and great joy. Look at why, why, why. He says, for today, for today, for today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Boy, God can do a lot in a day, don't you think? God can do a lot in a day. God can change things in a day. God can turn things around in a day. From the time the sun rises to the time of the sunset, God can do anything in your life. He can do it in your marriage. He can do it in your kids. He can do it in your grandkids. He can do it at your workplaces. He can do it wherever it is that you do life. God can do a lot in a day. On one day, God Almighty left heaven to come to this earth as a baby boy born in Bethlehem, put in a man. Danger. And the angels declared to the shepherds out tending their sheep by night, hey, don't be afraid. You don't need to be afraid anymore. The king is here. And he has all glory and might and power. And he's a savior for you. He's a savior. Boy, a lot can happen in a day. You know, um, there was some group of friends that brought, uh, wanted to get their friend to Jesus. And so they carried his, their friend who was a paralytic. It says that he was a paralytic uh, most of his life. 
He couldn't walk. And so they, put, they, they hear about Jesus and what Jesus was able to do and heal people and do miracles. And, and so they put him on a stretcher and they carry him to the house where Jesus was at. And the, once they get there, they, the house was full of people. They couldn't even get into the door. There was just so many people there wanting to get at Jesus, wanting Jesus to do something for them. And so they had the idea, hey, how about we go up on the roof of the house? And so they were able to get up on the roof of the house with their paralyzed, paralyzed, friend and they start pulling away at the roof of the house. Now, if you're the homeowner, you're probably not too excited about that. And I'm sure later on they went back and fixed that, I'm sure. But at the moment, they're like, we just got to get our friend to Jesus. We just got to get our friend to Jesus. For years of his life, he, he couldn't, can't walk. For years of his life, he's just living on the ground, begging for food and begging for money and just hoping that one day that something will change for him. And his friends decided, we're going to see if we can make it happen today. And so they rip open the roof. They lower Jesus or his friend down to Jesus's feet. And they, and Jesus looks at this man who is now on a stretcher laying down in front of him at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looks at this man and says, your sins are forgiven. And the man looks up at him and thinks to himself, that's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm here. As you can see, I can't walk. And when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, all the religious guys that were around just wanting to, you know, trap Jesus and poke at Jesus and to let everybody know that he was a false prophet, that, that they started saying, oh my goodness, now he's claiming to be God as if he has the authority to forgive sins, the audacity of that man. And Jesus either overheard them or he knew what they were thinking and he turns to them and he says to those religious guys, listen, what would be easier for me to say? What would be easier for me to say? That his sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? And then he says this, just so that you know that I have the authority to forgive sins, I am going to tell and I'm going to command that this man stand and walk. And the man in that moment got up for the first time in 40 years of his life and began to walk again. Jesus said, I want you to know that I have the authority physically and I have the authority spiritually. And then this is what they said. And they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. They were also filled with fear, reverence, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Come on. Does anybody believe that God can do something remarkable today? Come on. Let's, do you believe it? I mean, this is the day that the Lord has made. That's why he said, this is the day that the Lord has made and we're gonna rejoice and we're gonna be glad in it. Why? Because from the sunrise to the sunset, God can do remarkable things. He can do remarkable things for you. He took a man for 40 years of his life and in one day, in one day, he walked again. 
Oh, a lot bad things can happen in one day too, by the way. We can make a whole mess of ourselves and our lives. And the consequences will extend for many days in one day. As a matter of fact, Peter proclaimed, I'll never deny you. I'll never turn my back on you. I'll never walk away from you. But Jesus reminded him in Luke 22, but he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me three times that you know me. We can also make a mess of things in a day, can't we? In one minute, we can make a mess of things. There was a, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, you know the story, there was two criminals on either side of him, right? And it says that in verse, in Luke 23, it says that one of the criminals who were hanging there was hurling abuse at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And it says in verse 40, but the other responded in rebuking him saying, do you not even fear God? There it is again. Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, verse 41 And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. And after this man makes this statement, he says, and he turns to Jesus. And look what Jesus responds. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This man was declaring to Jesus on the cross, you are the king. You have done nothing wrong. And what we are doing is justified. Our crime is justified. But you are the king and you don't deserve this. That's it. A whole, think about this, a whole life of crime. I mean, for, for someone to be hanging on a Roman cross, the crimes that they committed were extremely, extremely severe. It wasn't some anybody that she stole a candy bar from a party store got crucified. They had to do some serious crime. They probably murdered somebody in their crime is why they were hanging on a cross that day on either side of Jesus. And one did not fear him, and the other did. One did not, the other did. That's really what it boils down to when it comes to following Jesus. You either fear God or you don't. We're either one criminal or another. And I know we want to Find our little spot in between, right? We want to find our place in between. I'm not all the way over there, but I'm not, and I'm not all the way over here either. But I'm, listen, in the, in the economy of God, you either fear him or you don't. That's it. That's it. And the one that feared him and the one that claimed him to be king, look what Jesus says. In a life of crime, And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. What grace and mercy our God shows us. Years of crime, years of bad decision-making. But then in a moment, he realizes who Jesus is. 
And Jesus said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. A lot can happen in a day, right? It can happen for you. God wants to do something remarkable in you, in you. He's powerful enough. He's mighty enough. He's strong enough. He's tender enough. He's got healing for you. He wants to restore and redeem everything that is broken or lost or misplaced. God wants to take the dead things of our life and bring them back to life again. That's who he is. And it can happen for you today because today is all you need. Jesus said, give me this day our daily bread. Give me this day. In the Old Testament, that God would just give them manna to eat for a day, and then after the day was over, that manna would rot. Why? Because God just wanted them to trust him for that day. That day. God says, come on, you can trust me today. I can do remarkable things today. In one day, you can be sentenced to as a crime of a criminal hanging on a Roman cross to the next day being in paradise with Jesus. What grace. What grace. For 40 years, you could be a paralytic. And in one day, you're walking again. It's what he wants to do for your addiction It's what he wants to do in your relationships. It's what he wants to do in your finances. It's what he wants to do in your career. It's what he wants to do. And it can change for you in a day. In a day. He's like the sun. He's like the sun. The song goes on and says, light and life to all he brings like the sun, risen with healing in his wings. Risen with healing in his wings. Now, where does that come from? It comes from Malachi. It comes from Malachi. Malachi says, For the, behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogance and every evildoer will be chaff, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of armies, so that it will leave them neither root nor branches. Verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise. And then look what it says. With healing in its wings. With healing in its wings. And you will go forth and frolic like calves from the stall. Now, I'm not going to demonstrate that, but you can imagine what that, what that would be like. He's got healing in his wings. That's what he's got. Now, um, uh, most Jewish men wore what, what this. They wore what was called a, a talit, talit, okay? It was just sort of this over, um, you know, garment. And it had, as you, could, as you can see, it had these sort of these tassels at the edge of this, of this garment that they, that they would wear. And, and so um, they got that from uh, the laws of, of Moses, which required them to do that, found in, in Deuteronomy 22.12. It says, you shall make yourself tassels on the four corners of your garment with which you cover Yourself, and so they they would wear that. All all Jewish men would would require required to wear that. 
When they put that on, when they put that talit on, okay, when they wore that, they would always quote a verse. They would quote a verse. Here's the verse that they would quote. Psalm 36, 7. How precious is your mercy, God. Let me just say it how it was written. How precious is your mercy, God. Exclamation point, right? We, uh, we got to read the, the, you know, the punctuation when we, when we read scripture, right? Like, how, mercy is your, how precious is your mercy, God? You know, it's like, no, it's not how it's written. How precious is your mercy, God? The sons of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You see, they would, they would call those tassels as the, when they would put that talit on as a cover, they would, and they would put those, those tassels the four, on the four corners of it, they would call those their wings. That's what they would refer to them as. It was like a, they would refer to it, as the, the, the word talit is like a small tent. It refers to it like as a small tent. And so when they would pray, they would sort of put that talit over their heads and they would sort of be, find a place of seclusion, if they, or at least they would feel, you ever, you ever do that? Put your, just put your blanket over your head or you see your kids, just kind of put your blanket over their head, right? And they feel like they're just in seclusion, right? And then they got the whole world outside of them, but they feel like they're just safe and secure under their blanket. Well, that's kind of what they did with that. They would put their tallit over their head and they would find that little mini small little tent, a place where they would pray. It was, it was also referred to as a prayer shawl, a prayer shawl. And they would put it over and they would pray. And they would say, how precious is your mercies, God. And the sons of mankind take refuge as they pull it over. They, they take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You know, there's a story that took place as Jesus was walking along. And it says in Luke 9, or Luke 8, it says, And a man named Jairus came, and he was an official of the synagogue. Now, what was that? Um, he was like a pastor. He was a pastor. So people would show up to the synagogue, and they would pray, and he would make sure that he helped anybody with prayer. They would read scripture and he would help them point into reading the right scripture. And he would even oftentimes preach. He would give a sermon during the time when, when they were at the synagogue. Now, that, those, those, that title and that position brought about a lot of, you know, uh, privilege. Um, they were, they were uh, honorable men in, in the community. They, and they were also well off. It, it, it brought a lot of wealth to them as well. But so here's this man named Jairus. He was an official of the synagogue, a lot of privilege, prestige, you know, um, you know, wealth. And he was at the end of his rope. He, he, he was all out of options. Why? And it says that, and he fell at Jesus's feet. Go back if you could. Sorry. Go back, please. Thank you. And he fell at Jesus's feet and began urging him to come to his house. So you think about this. He's a religious guy. At this time, the religious people didn't like Jesus at all. None of them. And so this guy is so desperate. He's got all the resources he, he, he can think of. He's got wealth. He's got 
people. He knows people. You know, he, he's, if anybody, in, in the standards of people that were closest to God, people would consider Jairus to be a man who was close to God. He was the guy who led the prayers. He was the guy that preached the sermons. That's what he was. But nothing was changing. And he comes and he, in spite of what his colleagues And in spite of what his peers, in spite of what his friends would think about him, he comes to Jesus. He doesn't even just stand. It says that he fell at Jesus' feet and urged him to come to his house. And it says why. Verse 42. For he had an only daughter, And she was about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were were pressing against him. I mean, this is how desperate Jairus is. And nothing else is working for him. He's got everything at his disposal, money, people, resources. Nothing's working. And last resort, His only daughter, his only 12-year-old daughter is about to die. And he comes and finds Jesus. And he gets on his knees. And he wraps his arms around the feet of Jesus. And he urges Jesus, would you please come to my house? At that same time, it says this in verse 43, at that same moment, And a woman who had suffered a chronic flow of blood for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone. I mean, think about this. 12 years prior to this, Jairus and his wife are celebrating the birth of their daughter. 12 years prior to this. A baby, a baby girl is born. She's beautiful, we assume. But that same period, here's this woman who begins to suffer with a chronic flow of blood, same time. Isn't that how life is? We have days that we celebrate, and then there's days of pain and struggle. That's how life is, isn't it? It changes one day to another. One household, they're celebrating a brand new baby girl. Another household, they're going, you've got cancer. You have some sort of chronic illness. All within the same time. So then it says, another, in Mark, same story. Here's what she she described. It says, and and she had endured much of the hands of many physicians. So she's tried everything. She tried every physician. She's seen every doctor she could possibly see. And it says, and spent all that she had And was not helped at all. I mean, she tried every resource, every doctor, every single one that she can think of. All of her friends are going, go see my doctor. My doctor's great. Nope. Go see my doctor. My doctor's great. Nope. Go see my my doctor. Nope. No. You know, all these different doctors. And eventually, she just eventually just ran out of money. And as a matter of fact, instead of getting better, it got worse. It got worse. And then it says in verse 27, after hearing about Jesus, after hearing about Jesus, 
She came up into the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. And she thought in verse 28, here's why she did that. She thought, she had been saying to herself, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. In Luke's reference of this, he says this, came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. What happened? So Jesus is wearing that talit, right? And it's hanging down all the way down to his feet with those tassels on the fringe of it called the wings. They called them wings. And she just thinks to herself, maybe right next to Jairus, at the end of her options, just like Jairus, if I just touch the fringe of his cloak, his talit, the wings, I might be healed. And she was. She was. And at this time, she's thinking, I know I'm healed. And she's trying to slip away, and Jesus is going, who touched me? Like he's just not going to let her get away with not no, going public, right? Like it, was a, it was a personal thing with her, and she, but she had faith enough to come to Jesus, and, and she's, Jesus is going, who? who? And, and Peter's going, Jesus, a lot of people are touching you right now. There's a lot of people around. Jesus is like, no, 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 I felt somebody come to me in faith, and power left me. And finally, they realize it's this woman, and she says, yeah, it was me. And she said, he said, your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith has made you well go in peace. There was healing in the wings of even his garments. Meanwhile, Jairus is going, um, excuse me, Jesus my daughter is dying. My daughter. I, I understand you wanted to help this woman, and it was great to see that you helped her, and she was healed, and man, that brought me encouragement, but, but can we go? Can we go? Jesus comes with Jairus, and they get to the house. They get to the house. And you know that Jewish people, they had professional mourner, mourners? They had people that would, that would come to the house and they would, they would weep and wail loudly. It, they, were, they were professionals at being at mourning. Doesn't that sound kind of weird? And so they would weep and they would wail loudly and Jesus is approaching the house and, and Jairus hears this and he's thinking, no, no. And one of the attendants comes out and he meets Jairus and says to Jairus, sorry, but she's gone. My 12-year-old, my only daughter, she's, she's, she's gone. Yeah, she's gone. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And Jesus comes into the house and he addresses the professional mourners that were weeping and wailing out loud. And he says to them, 
Stop. She's not dead. She's only asleep. They turn into, from mourners into scoffers. They've turned from mourners into laughers. The scripture says that they start laughing out loud as if, are you kidding me? We know when somebody dies. We're well aware when somebody has passed on. You're telling us, sir, sorry, that she's asleep? Jesus is like, yeah, she's just asleep. And Jesus removes those mourners out of the house. Jesus says, you guys got to go. I need people of faith in here. And Jesus, with the parents of that little girl, and Jesus' closest companions, Peter, James, and John, walk into that room And Jesus speaks and says, little girl, get up. Little girl, get up. And she rises from the dead. And Jesus says next, which is, I think, so hilarious, give her something to eat. There's healing in his wings. That's the point. But it comes by fear of him, reverence, and fear of nothing else. Jairus didn't care what his friends or colleagues or peers thought of him. He just needed to get to Jesus. The woman said, I don't, I've tried everything. I've tried every doctor I can think of and nothing's working and it's getting worse. I just need Jesus. There's healing in his wings. You've got an addiction that needs to be healed. It's found in Jesus. You've got a marriage that needs to be healed. It's found in Jesus. You've got a relationship that needs to be restored. It's found in Jesus. It's found in Him. Whatever it is that you're battling, whatever it is that you're struggling, whatever it is that you're working through, I got news for you. We we have a God who has healing in His wings. And it takes us in reverence to bow our knees and say, King of kings, Lord of lords, son of righteousness, you bring light and life to everyone. Everyone. And I surrender my life to you because I don't want to be the one on the crosses that don't fear you. I want to be the one that does fear you because I want to be the one that on one day, one day everything can change. One day we're going to leave this place and we're going to go to a place called paradise in one day. God can do in a day some astounding, extraordinary things in a day. This is the day. This is the day that you and I say through faith and reverence, we know that you are the son of righteousness. You bring life 
and life, light and life. There's healing, there's healing in your wings. And anything that's broken and anything that's dead, come on, he can bring it back to life. Who's got faith to know that? Come on, who's got faith to know that? Anything, anything you take at the feet of Jesus, he's still wearing the tassels, the wings, and there's power in that. There's power there. In one day, Today is Sunday. Thanks for being here on Sunday. Father, you are the son, S-O-N, of righteousness. And we compare you, though you're so much more powerful, you're so much stronger. You're so, there's so much more energy that comes from you than even the sun that blows our mind of how much power and energy comes from it. There's healing capabilities in the sun. It changes our moods and makes us sleep better at night. So much comparison to who you are, but it's just a likeness. It's just a pale imagery. It's just a small, pale imagery of how enormous you are. And I pray, God, that we're like Jairus with all his privilege and prestige, prosperity. None of that was the solution. None of that was the solution. The solution was you. For the woman, we don't even know her name. We don't know her name. She's just the woman with the issue of blood. That's how we know her in scripture, but yet you know her name. And even though she tried to be anonymous, Lord, you didn't allow her to be anonymous. You didn't let her just slip through the crowd. You wanted her to be seen and for people to recognize that God, you did a work in her life that was so personal and so private to her that you did something publicly that was so amazing and changed in a day, changed in a day her life, her life forever. God, I pray that that's the kind of faith that we have today. It's a faith knowing that today, today, you're gonna give us our daily bread you're going to give us what we need. And in this day, it could be the day that everything changes for us. Everything changes for us. Because when we bow our knees and we wrap our arms around your feet, God, we know that there's power there that can change the world. I pray, Lord, that that's what we are. We're world changers because we have faith and fear in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.